Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's Bible study podcast. Today's lesson, we will focus on honor, especially honoring wives. But before we get into the lesson, some news about going back to Liberty for on-campus Sunday school, sorry, uh, life group. Uh, the plans are to return on September the 13th. In our class, our particular class, we, we may be put down in the chapel with Alan Smith's class. There may be enough room down there for uh, both of our classes to be there and still maintain social distancing. So following the worship service at 915, then we will go down to the chapel for our Sunday school lesson. And Alan and I may alternate teaching. And we still may be able to alternate podcasts as well for those who still cannot make it to our class. You know, no doubt, uh, this is, it's most unusual and even weird. And it still will be for quite some time, evidently. So just continue to pray. And, uh, sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. But that's okay. Scripture says that God understands our groanings. So we can just uh, plead our petitions to the Lord. And he knows our heart. And he will hear. So uh, let's go ahead and begin right off. And uh, begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are indeed so thankful. So very thankful that we can come to you. Father, in times of need. In times of praise and thanksgiving. Father, we just look to you for all of our needs. Yet, Father, you know our needs even more than we. I'm thankful for this class. Father, I'm thankful for the love that we share for one another. Father, and for attending to the needs of each other. So, Lord, I just ask that you would continue to bless each and every one. Father, and teach us and show us the things to say and do in these uh, unprecedented times. We do pray, Father, for the going back of what we call normal. Father, we are not comfortable in doing the things that we have to do, the wearing of the masks and the social distancing and the staying away. And, Father, all of the things that we are accustomed to doing. But yet, Father, it does give us an opportunity to reflect upon you that there's more to this world than just our activities and schooling and, and uh, sports, but, Father, you. So, Father, we ask that the lessons of life can be learned. Father, that we can grow closer to you. Father, we still have needs in our class. Father, I continue. I ask that you would continue uh, your healing blessings upon uh, Donnie and, and Mike and Robert. Father, as they continue to recover from the COVID virus, Father, in other sickness and uh, financial circumstances and situations that we have in our class and others, Lord, we lift up Brother Tim Cox to you as our senior pastor, that uh, as we move through these coming days, that you would give him guidance and leadership, Father, that you would guard his heart, that... Uh, he would be able to be protected from the wiles of Satan. And, Father, that he can uh, focus entirely on you. We ask your blessings upon us now as we study your word and, and as we finish the book of Proverbs and our study on wisdom. Father, that we can indeed 
understand and know what it is to fear the Lord and to have your wisdom for us. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Well, today we do finish wisdom study in the book of Proverbs. And then the next two weeks, we will look at the Song of Solomon. But today our focus is really in the 31st and final chapter of the book of Proverbs. So we're going to look at wisdom's instruction on duty and wisdom's instruction on justice. And finally, we will look at wisdom's, uh, for, for lack of a better term, alphabet on wifely excellence. So let's begin by turning in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Yep, I said it, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 17. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to begin with verse 17. And this is kind of an introduction as we get into today's lesson as to what we really want to look at. So again, we are in 1 Corinthians and begin reading in verse 17. This is the Apostle Paul speaking now. And he said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made or made void of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now look at verse 19, for it is written, and this comes from Isaiah chapter 29, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We're contrasting the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. Certainly, if you remember or recall trying to uh, witness to someone, and it was most difficult for them to understand what you're talking about. And in today's world, you know, if we think about the conservative right and the liberal left and all of that, as we try to teach and preach the gospel of Christ to them, it's foolishness. Now, if we move over into chapter 2, we're still in 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're looking, at, we're looking at the fact that wisdom is a gift of God. So as we look at it, we want to begin to look at, let's see, where do we want to, want to begin? Let's, let's begin with verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4, still in 1 Corinthians now. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom or philosophy, with enticing words of man's wisdom, 
but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So you see, we are saved by God's wisdom, and his wisdom, of course, included his plan of salvation. And so we accept that as a gift. God's plan of salvation is the gift of God. But in doing so, we also accept the wisdom of God that he imparts to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we look at verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are not mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God. So, as we finish up in Proverbs, and we can go back to the book of Proverbs now, that wisdom is indeed a gift of God. So as we return back to the book of Proverbs, we can better understand that it is God's will and purpose for us to gain and use his wisdom. Just like we received the gift of God, his salvation, we also can receive his wisdom. So regardless of how high or great that may be, uh, there is no comparison to the wisdom of God. So let's begin in chapter 30 now, going back to Proverbs, chapter 30, and mention a few verses here, and then we'll go on and focus in on chapter 31. But I want to look at a couple of things here in chapter 30. So let's take a look at verses 11 through 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Chapter 30, 11 through 14. See if, see if this sounds familiar. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty they are in their own eyes, but their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth are knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. So here we see the word generation listed four times. Of course, the number four, we're talking about an earthly fulfillment here. And if we look at verses 12 and 13, we see their own eyes. They think they are the pure ones, not the Christians. And if we kind of fast forward to today's world, if uh, and I've had conversation well, just this past week with someone who professes to be a Christian, and yet she has really blasted me back to the point that she uh, she won't even... Uh, talk to him anymore, but uh, they are in their own eyes intelligent. They are in their own eyes wise. And of course, if we just read in First Corinthians, yes, they have what we can call human wisdom, and we now understand how they can think and reason the way they do. But of course, Scripture says all of that is wrong.
And in the long run, of course, they're going to ultimately perish. Of course, in the meantime, all of us, we wind up suffering too. Now, now as we move into to chapter 30, uh, remember chapters 30 and 31 were not written by Solomon. Chapter 30 was written by Agur, the son of Jacob. And if we go back to the first verse, he was speaking to Ithiel and Eucal. Now these words or advice by Agur are meant to templify the plight of man. And the plight of man is, in this case, is simply as he grows faint in his own attempts to pursue God, using his own way, his own strength, and his own wisdom. Now chapter 30 is worth reading all of it, but we don't have time to really get into all of it. So we move on to chapter 31. Now, chapter 31 also was not written by Solomon, but was written by, who was written here is King Lemuel, or Lemuel. Now, we don't know anything about King Lemuel, and, and in fact, many ancient and even modern scholars believe uh, Lemuel to be the poetic name of Solomon. And here, King Lemuel is reflecting on wisdom given to him by his mother. So if Lemuel is actually Solomon, then the mother that would be spoken of here would be Bathsheba. I don't know whether it was Solomon or not. I tend to think that it's not uh, because of the way it was written. It's written in a different kind of prose and format. And it was written, there's a different name here, and there's no rhyme or reason why Solomon couldn't be listed. But it could be, but uh, I'm not really sure. But we do see here the influence of a woman, the influence that a mother can have. And I certainly don't want to open up a can of worms here or something, and I can't scoop it back up. But, you know, Scripture is pretty explicit regarding women and their roles as teachers pastors, uh, leadership positions, but scripture never denies opportunity for women to advise and influence, and especially in the motherly fashion. In fact, and we'll find in this case, scripture actually magnifies and honors such women. So looking here at verse 1, so we are in chapter 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy of what his mother taught. What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. Give not the strength unto women, nor your ways to them that destroy kings. So the first part here is talking about the women, and then on down it's talking about drinking. But, but the point is, here we have a mother that's giving motherly advice to a king and as a king as a leader and if you recall we mentioned last week a king a ceo pastor teacher head of a household uh, the wisdom of god should be paramount in in the desires of these kinds of people and so if we we skip down to verses eight and nine Verses 8 and 9, it says, Open the mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such that are appointed to destruction. Open the mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. 
Now, the mouth of the dumb here really means those who cannot get a fair hearing for themselves. They cannot speak for themselves, as no one will hear them or they can't hear them because of circumstances. We hear all the time about, you know, the justice for Trayvon and, and the, the justice for all these, the, these blacks that have died at the hands of white policemen. But recall just this past week, you know, there was uh, a five-year-old boy that was uh, shot and killed by a black man. Uh, not that we're trying to introduce race here, but the point is where we have the wisdom of men that that's what they're trying to do. And they, they consider justice, justice, when in fact it really isn't justice. You know, it, you know what about? The five-year-old boy that was killed just this past week. Uh, what about, uh, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was an eight-year-old that was shot and killed, an innocent young boy. And what about all of the innocent children and innocent people that are, are shot and killed every day in the streets of our cities? Not to mention, what about the innocent unborn children? And they have no voice in their abortion. You know, if we read in Isaiah 117, Isaiah 117 says, Learn to do well, seek judgment, deal righteously with the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Now, these are good words, but the thing is, many of our left-wing liberals take this and using their human wisdom, uh, they develop their own liberal ungodly tenets and philosophy, and, and you see where we are in history. But we do need to take care of certain aspects of our society. Now, we, we have the term wisdom, but we're going to get into the word uh, honoring. So if we think about uh, what's coming up, we have this word honor. If we skip down to verse uh, 10, go down to verse 10. We need to move on here. We're already running out of time. Starting in verse 10, uh, through and then we finish up the rest of the book of Proverbs, and this is why I think it's probably not written by Solomon, but by someone else. Uh, the pros and the, the, the format of how the verbiage, if you will, of the remainder of Proverbs is listed is a little bit different. We have what we call an acrostic type of view, acrostic, and that is where we have in each couplet or verse, if you will, that the verse begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, with it being printed in English, we can't really see that. But if you could go back and look at the original Hebrew, you can see that this poem, and it really is, it's a literal poem where the first letter of the succeeding verses begin with the successive uh, letter of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet. So it really is a poem, but as we begin with verse 11, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? 
So here we're going to talk about a virtuous woman, very valuable. And what is virtuous? What, what I mean, really, what is virtuous? Basically, we're talking about a character that is pure and good. And that if we think about the focus of her heart, the focus of her heart is toward God. Now, her husband would be included in that heart. Her children would be included in that heart, as well as her friends and surrounding community. Everyone would be in her heart with God at the center of her heart. Now, that's what we mean by virtuous. And we're going to honor that character. Now, if we think about honoring, uh, we have the word honor. And I looked it up, and, and if you look it up, the best definition we can come up with, it's regard with great respect. It's regard with great respect. And some of the synonyms include distinction, glory, integrity, prestige. And, you know, that's quite a terminology to describe a wife, to describe a wife. Now, if we continue reading on, if we look at, for instance, verses uh, 12 and 13, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She will seek wool and flax and work willingly with her hands. So, in addition to her being pure and godly and good in her heart, you know, we, we previously discussed the importance of the heart. And, you know, one of the things, if you look at verse 11, the heart of her husband. So we're not just talking about the heart of the woman or the wife, but what about the heart of the man? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. He will trust her with all his heart. He will lack nothing. Now, now, just think of all the things that we need in our lives. We need food, clothing, shelter, companionship, love, you name it. So we have this word, need of spoil. This need of spoil, as we, as we see, that means they lack nothing. But not only do they lack nothing, uh, she's not going to take away from whatever wealth that he has. Whatever wealth that he has, she's actually going to add to it. Look at verses 13 through 15. Uh, we just read, uh, she sees, or she, she seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship. She brings her food from afar. So we have this term merchant, and that means that she's just, uh, in addition to just her family, she's going outside her family. Now, we're running uh, close on time, but if, you know, part of, I guess, my job as a Sunday school teacher, I try to list some things and, and explain some verses and that, that kind of thing, you know, that kind of thing. At least I think that's what you guys expect of me as, as a teacher. But if we just go through some of these things, it's pretty self-explanatory that we have a woman who is virtuous, her heart is in the right place, God is in the center, but also embedded deep in her heart is her husband, her children, 
all of her family, extended family, and friends, and community. And so if we just look, uh, verse 15, she rises also while it is yet night, and gives meat to her household, and portions to her maidens. She considers a field, and buys it with the fruit of her hands, and plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength, and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candles do not go out by night. She lays her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distal. She's pretty busy. She is very busy. Why? Why do you think she is so busy? Why does she put so much time and effort? Does she get praise? Does she get glory? Does she get paid? How many times have we heard about how, you know, if, if a woman just worked uh, for minimum wage, how much she should get paid at the household? But that's not what she does. She does it out of her heart. But what's at the center of her heart? Of course, it's God. Look at verse 21. Or, or 20. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Again, she's not just applying for her family, but for others. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. They are nice and warm. And uh, what they have uh, looks pretty good. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates while he sits among the elders of the land. Um, do you know anyone that has ever told you uh, or, or your family members that you're lucky? I wish I had a family like yours. You ever heard that? I wish I had a husband like yours. I wish I had a wife like yours. I wish I had children like yours. What a compliment. What a compliment. And that's what this is saying. Um, that, uh, you know, the husband sits at the gates. He's, he's well known. He's well respected. Verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household. And eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously. But you. Excel them all. Favor and deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord. She shall be praised. And then the last verse. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. I mean, really, what more can be said? What more can I add to that? Pretty self-explanatory. Amen. Well, go back and maybe if you have some time, you can just sit there by the campfire and, and uh, mull over some of these verses uh, by yourself. Uh, maybe do so. But until next week, so long.